The countdown to summer is on. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball returns on June 2nd, and it's time to meet the newest members of the 2023 team with this week's roster release. Here are your hosts, the voice of the Apple Sox, Joel Norman, and head coach, Mitch Darlington. And here we are at last, the first week of releases for the 2023 Wenatchee Apple Sox roster. I'm Joel Norman, and we're joined by the head coach of the Apple Sox, Mitch Darlington, and it's time to finally dive into the men who are going to make up this team here this summer. Mitch, I don't know about you, uh, I feel like every time we talk we get a little bit more and more excited about baseball. For me, it's always once the calendar flips to 2023, the new year, you start to think about the next summer a little bit more. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm really starting to get into that baseball mood. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, once the Division One season kind of kicks off and you kind of start watching these guys on TV and, and just kind of following their stats, whether it be, you know, old guys that played for the Apple Sox or incoming guys, that's when it starts to feel like, okay, baseball is here and uh, we're, we're kind of getting ready for some Apple Sox baseball here soon. Yeah, I was on the road in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, calling a hockey game this past Friday. It was four degrees, probably about at least a foot and a half of snow on the ground. And their theme for that night was, I hate winter night. And I thought, you know what? This is pretty fitting right now because I'm really in that baseball mood. Like you said, the Division One schedule it just began. And it was like, you know what? We are getting kind of close. and But we'll, we'll get there eventually. Still a few months to go here on the start of the Apple Sox season. As we're looking at it right now, it's uh, at the time that this podcast is going to be revealed, we're going to be just about, if my math is correct, about three months out. So getting really close here to the start of the season. But let's dive into some of this so far, Mitch. Uh, I want to start off, before we dive into the players, I want to talk about uh, just the beginning of the college baseball season. You're in a fun spot this year compared to last, where you you look back at last year and you're watching guys who are going to be coming to the Apple Sox. This year, you're in a situation where you're following guys who previously played for the Apple Sox and now guys who are going to be newcomers joining the team. How fun has that been for you so far? Probably a lot of games you're keeping an eye on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, me and even my wife have really enjoyed, uh, you know, following guys that played for us last summer. I feel like I get more joy watching guys that had played for me previously than even the, the incoming guys, just because, you know, you don't quite know those guys on a personal level yet. Whereas, you know, you're watching a Gonzaga game and you're seeing, you know, Ezra Sampiri hit a double or Enzo, um, you know, run one out of the yard or Joe Ichiro, you know, his career debut hitting a triple. It's it's uh, it, it makes it fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I think that's the fun part of the spring is we all are trying to we're trying to get to know the new t- new players yet. But for a lot of fans, you're still just keeping an eye on the guys, you know, right now. But uh, that's what makes it so special. And I always say to people, you know, it's it's probably a little tough right now for those newer players, for the ones who are actually going to be playing for the Apple Sox in 2023, but you know, they're going to get their time to shine and uh, plenty of love from us here moving forward as well. Mitch, let's dive into it. We're going to start this week and next week as well with players who have previously played for the Apple Sox who are returning to the team. And this week we're highlighting three players uh, who will be back with the team and I guess without further ado, let's start with the first one here. Uh, I'll let you announce to everyone who the first member of the Apple Sox will be returning here in the 2023 season. Yeah, our uh, our first returner coming back to the Apple Sox this summer will be Brandon Ponce um, from Washington State University. So uh, beyond excited to get Ponce back uh, with the Apple Sox. Um, you know, his, his his leadership, I feel like, was one of the biggest reasons we really wanted him back. 
Um, last year, you know, transferring from Big Bend, hadn't even played at the Division One level yet. Um, and just the leadership he provided for our dugout um, and the way he kind of rallied the troops um, and got and kept us focused, kept us locked in. And, and the guy's just a player. So really excited to have Brandon back with us. He was such a huge addition for last summer's squad. He was just coming off of that incredible year at Big Bend uh, 2022. Just to dive into the stats real quickly, 339 batting average, six home runs, 42 RBI, uh, NWAC East Region MVP, all NWAC first team, ABCA Rawlings All-American third team. Just an incredible spring for him. And then he really carried that into the summer, didn't he, Mitch? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's you know, funny to look back on that. Um, you know, it was kind of getting to later spring and uh, we were seeing the success that Ponce had. And obviously I'd coached at Big Ben. So, you know, their coaching staff was like, hey, man, you, you need to get on this kid. Um, and at the time, we really didn't have a spot for Brandon. Um, we were kind of heavy in the outfield, kind of heavy at corner infield. Um, you know, and sure enough, uh, we brought him in as a 10-day contract, ended up having a couple injuries. And, uh, you know, I really can't imagine now looking back on it the summer without Brandon. Um, so many memorable moments for him. Uh, just these guys got an infectious smile. I'm sure, you know, the fans remember that. And um, the kid hit some massive home runs for us down the stretch. And uh, just a really fun, fun player to watch. I'm glad that you brought up that he was a 10-day contract because I was doing my research on last year when we announced that he was joining the team. And I did see that, that he was listed as a 10-day contract. And I kind of did a double take thinking about it because like what you said, it's hard to picture that last summer's team without Brandon Ponce on it. But there were a couple big 10-day contracts who turned into full-time players with the Apple Sox. Xander Orohudos was another one. I think there were a couple others in there who were just some huge parts of the team. So I think it's worth prefacing that now, Mitch, that when we say a guy's a 10-day contract, it is possible he may only be there for the 10 days, but the option and the possibility is pretty much always there to turn into a full summer contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, especially with recruiting recruiting this year, um, that's kind of been my message to the guys who I have offered 10-day contracts to is, you know, don't take this on a person in any personal way. It's um it's just because we've got our position spots full, but you know, the Adam Fossil was a 10-day contract, Ponce, uh, Xander, like you mentioned. Um, and you hate to even have to have to offer it to them, but um, when you're full like that, you can't bring more people on. Um, that's kind of the only option. Um, but one way or another, you know, injuries happen and uh, last minute, you know, guys can't make it out here for one reason or another. And uh, credit to all three of those guys ended up being full season guys. And all three of them were starting in the playoff games for us. And um, a huge part of uh, the reason we had the success we did. Well, 100%. Do you ever, when you've signed guys here for this 2023 team, and we're going to delve into those guys further on, but do you ever talk about, do you ever give an example of a guy like a Ponce or a Xander Orohudos or an Adam Fossil from last summer? And do you say, look, I had this guy last year. He was, like you said, starting for us in the postseason. You could be that guy too if you work hard enough. Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, you know, the guys who are returning are, are helping in a lot of ways because they get teammates at schools they're at who want to come and join us. Um, and at this time, you know, with position spots being full, uh, I kind of relay the message through them of, hey, we have a 10 day contract. Um, you know, let let your teammates know, man. I mean, last year we had three different 10 day contract guys who stayed full season. Um, and so it, it really if you don't have another West Coast League full te- full summer offer. Um, it's worth hopping on because you never know what's going to happen, especially in this league. Um, and so, yeah. 
Yeah, let's talk about the numbers that Ponce has had. He's had his third different college, began at Central Arizona 2020, the COVID year, got into 20 games for the Vaqueros, and then transferred. And then we talked about two just gigantic seasons at Big Bend. You know, 354 average in 2021, three home runs, 25 RBI, 339, six home runs, 42 RBIs in 2022. And we talked about the, the all the hardware he took with him from Big Bend. Really impressive stuff there. And then he's gotten off to a, a solid start here with Washington State. Not a ton of action so far, but a big uh, announcing a good big way that he announced his arrival with the Cougs. That first hit he had was that bases clearing double back on February 18th against Villanova. I remember seeing that. I saw the box score and I thought, oh, that's a lot of RBI there. And then he saw it was from a big swing in the bat. Not a surprise seeing that from Brandon Ponce, is it, Mitch? No, not at all. And, uh, you know, looking at the Cougs this year, their lineups are going to be tough to crack. Uh, it's still early in the season, and Ponce is a guy that's going to work his butt off regardless of whether he's in the lineup or not. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people thought, oh, okay, the Cougs had a rough season last year. You know, a guy like Ponce should step in right away. But, um, you know, the Cougs were young, and they got a lot of those guys, a lot of their infielders and corner outfielders returning. And they've also got a lot of really good portal kids from various schools around the country. So, uh, they're they're on the rise. That program is going to be good here soon and uh, not an easy lineup to get into right away. No, not at all. And a lot of former Apple Sox players on that team for any fans. Not that we need to give what actually Apple Sox fans any more reasons to support the Cougs, but just going up and down that roster to mention to everyone, all the former Apple Sox players that are on it. Jack Lee is a former pitcher for the Apple Sox from 2021. Um, we also had McCabe Cottrell. He played he pitched for the Apple Sox way back in 2017. Let's see, a couple of Shane Spencer. He pitched for Bellingham last year. Remember the Sox ran into him, Mitch. You remember that game and the North Absolutely. Division Championship game? There's it, a lot of West Coast League connections on their team overall, though. Um, Willis Cresswell was with Bellingham last year. Elijah Hainline. A couple of years ago, Dakota Hawkins started a playoff game against the Apple Sox while he was with the Victoria Harbor Cats, but Cam Liss is another one, uh, Chase Grillo, a couple other guys on that team with a lot of Apple Sox connections. So uh, plenty of reason to watch the Cougs uh, here this season as well. But I enjoy that so much about these Gonzaga and WSU rosters, Mitch. I feel like I know almost all the guys on these teams because we've seen them one way or another the last couple of years in the West Coast League. Is that fun for you when you turn on a game when one of those teams is playing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know. Again, like we watch guys that played for us previously, but yeah, turning on college baseball right now and seeing different lineups, whether it's Portland, Gonzaga, you know, even Oregon State, Oregon, you say, oh, that guy was in the West Coast League last year. Or, oh, this guy's here. And so uh, you feel like you have a connection to those players and like, you know, the, you know, the type of player they are. Yeah. And it's fun seeing the guys who it's been a few more years. Like I mentioned, McCabe Cottrell was way back with the Apple Sox back in 2017. It was before I was with the team. And He's still pitching college baseball. The the red shirts, the COVID years have certainly helped some guys out to just continue that their education and their athletic career. But talking more about Brandon Ponce, I want to go through some of the statistics for him last year. He was the Apple Sox 2022 home run leader, four home runs in the regular season, then added another one in the postseason. You might remember that one also uh, a really big home run. But Mitch, the thing that stood out to me the most about Ponce is he's like he's the type of ball player I love. Is the guy who can play just about any position on the field, it seems like. I counted it up earlier. He had four times that he started at first base, six times that he started at third base, made five starts in left field, three starts in right field, appeared on the mound twice in relief, and also was only once 
the designated hitter. So a ton of different spots that he appeared at over the course of last season. And that doesn't include defensive changes over the course of the game. That's just starts and times on the mound at all. But how fun was that having a guy like him who's probably got six or seven, maybe eight different gloves in the dugout he can pull out? Oh, it makes it great as a coach, you know. A guy that with his bat, you know, he's hard to really keep out of your lineup. So, um, and especially in summer ball, you know, you, you got to have guys that can play multiple positions. It, it's hard when you bring in a guy that's only stuck at one spot, um, you know, unless they're a catcher. But, um, you know, Ponce being able to be corner outfielder, corner infielder, and then, you know, can get up on the mound and, and touch a 90 as well. Uh, he, he makes it fun to have on your roster. Now, WSU considers him a third baseman primarily. Has that been something that they've talked about with you, that they probably want to see him primarily at third next summer with the Apple Sox? Uh, a little bit. You know, he's kind of came in there, uh, played pretty much third. He did. I saw he was in there at first in one game. But I think for them, the big thing is Potts is a switch hitter. And so they want to get him as many ABs from the left side and right side as they can and keep him developing on both sides of the plate. So the big thing really when they send guys out is just want to get a lot of live ABs and get that going for him. Talking more about his success from last summer uh, for Ponce, 22 games overall. This was fun to look at because I had a feeling his numbers were pretty good here, but I didn't realize how good they were. 327 batting average for Brandon Ponce at Paul Thomas Senior Stadium. How cool is that to hit in a place that is not exactly a hitter's ballpark? Yeah, it, it, it seemed like every home game Ponce found a way to make a memorable moment or just it, just all. I think I don't even remember if he hit a road home run. I, I want to say he did it. all five every, were at home. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, it just seemed like every time he was in the lineup at home, he ran one out of the yard. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he, you know, he, he he loves playing at, at home and we all love playing at home. But yeah, that's one. It's interesting stat there. It's just one of those guys you feel like when he's in front of our home crowd, man, he he never fails to put on a show. Yeah. 16 of his 20, 22 games that he played in were in where I Paul Thomas senior state 16 of 23, I should say, because of the postseason. But uh, really fun to have him at the ballpark. Five home runs there. Which one was your favorite Brandon Ponce home run? Because you and him always had a great celebration. It was a little bit more enthusiastic of a a, high, a low five with Ponce whenever you, you whenever he went deep. It felt like which was your yeah. favorite Brandon Ponce home run? I, I it's undoubtedly for me have to be the playoff home run against Cam Loops. Um, if people remember, you know he had taken a couple weeks off. He had to go home and work a little bit. Um, and then said, you know, hey, when playoff time comes around, I'll, I'll be back in Wenatchee. Um, you know, comes, you know, fresh off the couch back to Wenatchee. And, man, he almost ran two out of the yard that night. But that ball he hit out of the yard, uh, that's one of the farther baseballs I've ever seen hit at Paul Thomas. I mean, for a right-handed batter, if you know our park, it is not easy to put one out to left. Um, and that thing felt like it was still on its way up when it hit the trees out in left field. So just – just an absolute no doubter. I don't. I don't even know if he stepped a foot out of the box before he knew it was gone. It was fun watching him know he'd gotten off of it. I love when a guy was sitting there and he kind of takes a moment to admire it. But only if you know it's gone, of course. <laughs> you know. But I loved right. seeing him sit there and kind of just realizing what he did, and that was so exciting, Mitch. I remember there was a buzz in the ballpark already because it was a playoff game that day. But there was a buzz when people realized that Vassar and Ponce were coming back that day. And I think that added such a jolt to the lineup. And CJ talked about that when I spoke with him a few weeks ago on the podcast. He said it was such a boost to the team to know, hey, we've got two guys coming back here and they're going to be part of this big day today as we're going to try and wrap up the series right now. 
Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Especially after, you know, the bus ride to Kamloops, that's a long trip. We stay the night over there, you know, we're waking up at basically five 30 or 6 AM hopping on the bus, sleeping all the way back and then getting off the bus and basically playing a baseball game. But, you know, pulling into the parking lot and then seeing Ponce and Vassar and their cars waiting. Um, that Yeah, that, that was awesome. Yeah, the cavalry had arrived, and it, it sure helped that day. <laughs> but right. uh, I, I love the playoff home run just for the sake of argument. I'll say my favorite home run was the the home opener when he hit the grand slam early on. That mm. was a game where similar situation. We were tired from travel, and this time Ponce was part of that travel back, so he was tired this time too, but – uh, didn't really show it that day as he got a huge hit. He was three for six that day, five RBI, just a, a huge day for him at the plate. And uh, it, that home opener is always a great way to introduce yourself to fans. And boy, did he sure do that, hitting that one out of the park. What do you remember from that game? Yeah, I, you know, I I'd kind of forgotten about that as well. But yeah, after uh, you know, a tough opening series at Bend, uh, a little sleepy-eyed coming into the home opener, uh, yeah, I think that was early on, either like second or first inning. I can't remember what it was, but uh, gave us a big lead there, hit one out to right field. And, yeah, to start off your season with a grand, grand slam in front of the fans, that's uh, that's pretty special. Yeah, it was in that eight-run bottom of the second inning. Of course, the Apple Sox were the kings of crooked innings in 2022. Um, that was a high-scoring game, 16-2 to win in the home opener for that game. But uh, Brandon Pond's coming back to the Apple Sox. It's going to be a lot of fun having him. Uh, Mitch, we talked about a few of uh, the exciting moments he had, but did you have another really fun uh, memory of Ponce with the Apple Sox that stood out from last summer maybe? You know, one that I that I remember a lot that actually, you know, it's it's like a bittersweet moment was he um, had a pinch hit at bat against Corvallis in that Sunday game, uh, you know, with Enzo on first and, and put one down the left field line. Uh, you know, unfortunately uh, – you know, we didn't we, the re, perfect relay home throughout Enzo at the plate that would have won the game. But I just remember that being just such a clutch at bat for him to come in off the bench um, and get an AB and just and I mean, ultimately would have been the game winning hit. Um, pre, pretty impressive on his part. That's that's just the type of player he is. You know, that's not an easy thing to do, but to stay locked in and ready uh, when your name's called. Oh, and it was so tough. It was inches away from being a walk-off home run, too. We're still looking for that first one since 2017, Mitch. We've got to get that here in 2023. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't called one Apple Sox walk-off home run since I've been there. I've been waiting years to do that. And I was even looking back. I think the only I've only called one walk-off home run before, and it was a it was a season opener was at West Virginia. I think it was 2015. So it's been a few years. I really want to call a walk-off home run for the Apple Sox this summer. I know our fans would love to see it as well. So hopefully we can make that happen uh, this coming summer. Right, right. The 2023 Wenatchee Apple Sox season is right around the corner, and the best way to enjoy all the fun at Paul Thomas Senior Stadium is with season tickets. Season tickets are now on sale for as affordable as $145, and they lock in your seats to all home games from June to mid-August, and they also include all postseason games for free at no additional cost. Premium reserve seating closer to the field and with seat backs on them are also available for $245. And new this season are flex packs for Apple Sox fans. It's a value general admission pack of $60 that gives you 10 general admission tickets that can be used at any point in the 2023 season. Single game tickets will go on sale later on in the spring. 
But for right now, the best option and the best value is to purchase Apple Sox season tickets. Head over to applesox.com right now to lock in your seats. Let's take a look now at the, we've got two other players to announce here today is joining this Apple Sox team who played for the team back in 2022. They're going to be back in 2023. Mitch, who's the next guy who's returning to the Apple Sox here this summer? Yeah, next guy is a uh, an arm out of Big Bend Community College, local kid out of Ellensburg, and that's Hunter Gibson. Um, you know, Hunter pretty much pitched uh, a lot of our home games. He was a guy that you know, lived in Ellensburg, a kid that had to work a lot during the summer, commuted back and forth. Um, so kind of had some sporadic here and there um, appearances. But, uh, you know, the big thing last summer for Hunter was he was coming off an arm injury. And last summer was him just kind of getting back into being able to throw and rehab that arm and kind of had some innings limits and, and some pitch count limits on him. Um, I really think you're going to see a different type of a pitcher this summer. Um, I think – him getting a full season with Big Ben. He, he's basically their ace this spring. Um, Velo's increasing, getting back up there. I think he's going to have a really good summer for us, um, you know, after he has a great spring with Big Ben. How excited was Big Ben about the summer that he had with the Apple Sox coming back? Because a lot of the time when there are guys who come to a summer collegiate team like the Apple Sox in the West Coast League, if they're coming from a junior college, it's typically their final spring at that junior college, and they're heading on to a Division One D2 school maybe. Gibson's going back to Big Ben because this is technically his redshirt sophomore year. How excited was their coaching staff about his work last year? Oh, very excited. You know, their pitching coach, Rain Letkin, and I played together at Big Ben, um, so really good communication on that part. And, you know, so they were just kind of giving the rough outline of where he'd be at. And honestly, you know, he could have pitched a little bit last spring, but they kind of just did not want him to burn that year. They knew he was coming to the Apple Sox. They kind of just ramped up his bullpens and just kind of built him up for us. But no, I think for them, it's it's just icing on the cake for him to be able to go out in the West Coast League, compete a bit, compete against Division One talent, while also you know coming off an arm injury um, and then step in day one and be their ace in the fall. You know, it's kind of the perfect storm for a school like that. Yeah, his numbers last year. You look at the raw totals. 0-1, 533 ERA, 28 and two-thirds innings. That doesn't tell the full story, though. The thing mm-hmm. that stood out to me about him was that he had 27 strikeouts and only seven walks. We're not accustomed to guys in the summer having their control that precise. It is fairly common. Fans, some of you might be shaking your heads understanding this. Uh, there are some guys who struggle with their control. This It's part of the summer process, guys who are trying to deal with you know, throwing in the 90s and also being able to figure out where to put the ball. Hunter didn't have that issue last year. He was extremely precise, and the limit of walks last year really showed it, didn't it, Mitch? Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's he's another one. He's going to attack hitters, uh, you know, just a bulldog mentality. He's a, he's a fiery kid. Uh, but, again, you know, I'm glad you touched on that. It doesn't tell the full story. You know, there was times down, you know, in late July, early August where we were throwing them. One in particular I remember was – Cowlitz. And at that time, we had had so many departures and different things and our pitching staff and our bullpen. I mean, we really did not have much left in the pen. And so there were a couple games, you know, that ERA being above five it, it, in large part, it can be on it can be my fault. We just didn't have the bullpen to come in and, and relieve him. You know, he he had to keep fighting through days where, you know, he, he just couldn't get out of innings at times. Um, so I think we'll be able to manage that better this year. 
Um, and I, I really, I'm really excited about him. I think he's going to have good numbers for us this year. Yeah, you you look at that that game you talked about. I remember that we were really depleted that night, and it was just a back and forth game. It was one we were really trying to win, but just pitching wise, just weren't in a spot where we were able to really keep guys because it, it was just a bit all over the place in that sense. Where it, it, it was a ten seven final, Callitz won. There were a couple I remember innings where he was really close to getting out of it, and then things kind of spiraled, and a run or two would score. But that was that really hurt his ERA. But just to give an idea for fans of how good he was, you look at the numbers for Hunter Gibson, first seven appearances of the year, 270 ERA. So, I mean, that that shows how well he was doing. Pitched in 10 games in total. Things just didn't go the right way in the last three games. And I attributed that to a couple things, I think, is that, one, there were situations where he had to be out there. We needed a guy for a couple innings like you talked about. The Callitz game was one. He, got a, he had a tough one against Walla Walla back on July 23rd. That was the game he mm-hmm. started, his only start of the summer. It just yep. didn't work out that day. I thought that was his only real bad outing of the summer. So I, I'd, I'd say when you see the numbers with Hunter Gibson, I'd caution people because with relievers, all it takes is one bad in, one outing really to boost that ERA because you're already tossing so few innings as it is if you're just a one or two inning guy. Right. Yeah. Spot on. He did have – an incredible outing in that seventh outing right before the wheels kind of started to, to turn in the wrong direction. July 17th against Corvallis. That was the game you mentioned before where Ponce nearly hit the walk-off, extra base hit, and Gibson would have had the win that day. He went five scoreless innings in relief, six strikeouts, one hit, one walk. You know, if, if Ryan Mullen hadn't tossed a complete game last summer, I would have said Hunter Gibson's five-inning shutout effort would have been one of the finest of the season. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to say he had, you know, I'm trying to remember as well. He threw some of his better games against some real good teams too. Uh, I want to say it was like bend at home that he closed out a couple innings there of, sc- of scoreless baseball. So he had, he had some really good moments in relief for us and uh, you know, he, he'll build upon that this summer as well. Yeah. The other one you're talking about July 1st, that was that 14 to three win three innings in that one, one run, two hits picked up his one of his only two saves of the summer five strikeouts in that one. And we talked about the walks earlier, Mitch. There was only one game where the walks were even outlandish. And it was that that game where he went a season high, six innings against Cowitz, four walks and six innings. You'll usually take that, but just incredible control from him all year. He had four different outings where he struck out four more hitters in them too. So just really electric stuff. Uh, and I think that's going to be a huge piece of this Apple Sox team coming back. And just to dive into his numbers a little bit, as you mentioned, that ERA a little bit higher than we wanted, 533 over the 28 and two-thirds. Doesn't tell the full story, though, as he had a 270 ERA in his first seven appearances. And as you'd mentioned, he missed the 2022 college season. But in 2021, his first year at Big Bend had a 296 ERA, 37 strikeouts, and four walks. Just ridiculous stuff right there in 27 and a third innings and 10 appearances with them. He's tossed one game so far at the time of the recording of our podcast. That was February 18th against Spokane Falls. Uh, kind of a little bit more of the same in that one. One hit allowed, struck out six, and, and walked three innings. And walked three in four scoreless innings. So uh, funny to see how that worked out because that was just kind of Hunter Gibson giving a Hunter Gibson outing, Mitch, as he had those uh, that outing that was just it was fantastic to, against Spokane Falls. But really looking forward to see what he can do. Is he going to be kind of a bullpen guy or a starter, do you think, this summer with the Apple Sox? You know, that's, that's tough to say. Um, 
you know, it kind of depends on what he keeps doing this spring um, and some of the other guys that we have coming in here and, and kind of finding those roles. I envision him more being a bullpen guy again, um, kind of a back end arm for us to use uh, in a late inning situation. But uh, again, you know, if he comes out and we give him a start early on and he and he goes out there and shoves, you know, it's it'll be hard to keep him out of the rotation. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things of the summer, especially early on is, all of a sudden, a guy gives a good multi-inning relief effort, and you go, "Hey, you know what? Let's let's give him the ball for a start and see what happens here." So, but speaking of starters, uh, the last guy who we're going to announce today was a starter from start to finish last season. No pun intended. Mitch, who's the third and final player who we're announcing this week as a returner to the Apple Sox? Yeah, our third returner coming back to Wenatchee is Jack Moffitt. Uh, like you mentioned, started the year as a starter, stayed in our rotation full summer. Uh, and, you know, and really finished off his season at Bellingham in that division championship with probably his best start of the summer. Um, a guy that I felt like from the first start all the way till the end, it just seemed like he just kept getting better and better. Um, just like with anybody, you know, he had a couple outings there where, um, you know, he, he didn't have his best stuff. But uh, I really thought he got better from the beginning of summer to the end of summer. Uh, and really, really excited to have him back. I think he's going to come in more polished. I think one more year at Gonzaga, you know, working with their pitching coach, Brandon Harmon, is going to do a lot for him. Um, a guy that, uh, you know, fans might know from just a really, a really heavy fastball at times ran it up to 94 miles per hour. Um, but the big thing for him is just going to be developing that off-speed pitch, um, finding a changeup that he can locate for a strike and, and, and finding a you know, a breaking ball that he can really throw in any count. So excited to see uh, him back at Wenatchee. Moffitt, one of the things you talked about with him improving, one of the things he did so well down the stretch was he started to add more innings per start. What do you think was the biggest reason for why he was able to do that? It culminated in that six-inning performance against Bellingham in the uh, playoff game. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just his work ethic, you know, putting in the extra time. He's a kid that took it. You know, he took his work pretty seriously, uh, absolute goofball off the field. But when it come to working on his craft and um, and putting in the extra time, he really wants to be a good pitcher. So um, soaking in a lot of information from Vaughn, our pitching coach last summer, you know, he's just got he's got a body for it, man. Six foot, six foot eight, six foot seven, seven is what we had him listed as six foot. Yeah, seven. big, long, lanky guy and just a lot of God given ability. So um, he, he's. He's earned everything he's gotten so far. You talked about his pitches a little bit. As you mentioned, that fastball, the four-seamer topped at about 94, so slider in the changeup also in his arsenal. Uh, How do you feel like those improved over the course of the year? Yeah, I feel like they got better. The The, the slider got a lot better uh, early on in the season. It felt like he was just trying to guide the ball, trying to guide his slider for a strike. Really seemed like he was letting up on it. Um, and then towards the end of the summer, um, you know, his confidence grew. You could tell he was just more confident down that final stretch. Um, and, and, you know, that's that's kind of natural. The, the year before, uh, he didn't get a lot of innings. I don't even know if he got an inning at Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh, First three years he, there, didn't pitch. Yeah, so, so for him, last summer was his, you know, big sample size of, okay, I'm going against Division I hitters, and here's my chance to go be a starter. Uh, and so I think that helped. I think just the more innings he got, under his belt, the more the more his confidence grew and, and the better he got. Yeah, so it was nice for him 
to get that work. His, his most work that he's gotten in his collegiate career has been summer ball action. 2021 pitched in the Expedition League, I guess we should call it the former Expedition League now, uh, pitched in 13 games that year with the Wheat City uh, Whiskey Jacks and then, of course, with the Apple Sox last summer. So it's a guy who's gotten a chance to shine a little bit in the summer outings and as a starter. That said, though, Mitch, he's been used in his two outings so far here at Gonzaga. He's only been used as a reliever. Do you think this is kind of a situation with the Zags or just trying to work him up a little bit since they haven't seen a lot of him in person at Gonzaga? I feel like Jack Moffat, you know, right right now, um, they're just using them, using him how they need him. You know, a guy that throws a couple pitches like that, you know, a 94-mile-per-hour fastball with, an, you know, an off-speed pitch kind of tailors and, you know, it feels more like a late-inning relief, kind of a closer guy. But for us, we needed him to be a starter last summer. Um, and ultimately, you know, for his development, I think he just needed the most innings he could possibly get. And so we, we just needed him in that role for us. So, you know, I, I could see him, you know, continuing down in his career with Gonzaga as more of a late inning relief type of guy, but summer baseball for us, man, we, we, we need that out on the mound as much as we can get it. So we, we got him in a starter role. Yeah, no doubt about that. One of the things that was exciting about him last summer was he was a, he was an escape artist. It all started that first outing of the summer that was on June 5th against Bend. Didn't allow any runs in four innings. Probably would have gone deeper if he hadn't had two different bases loaded jams that he had gotten into. But both times he was able to get out of them. Third and fourth innings of that game. Also on July 20th got out of a one-out bases loaded jam in the fourth inning of that game. This was a guy who, you know, Mitch, there, was, there were a few innings where he just he would dominate. And he had really great stuff. And he's mowing guys down. But then he had a couple others where the walks really hurt him. And the yeah. walks are a reason why innings went a little bit longer. You look at his regular season totals last year, 31 strikeouts and 34 innings. Fantastic. But 24 walks and 39 hits in there. What's something mm-hmm. you look for him to improve on to limit the walks here this coming summer? Yeah, just finding that consistency. I think working um, with our new pitching coach, Mike Calia, and just really, you know, perfecting his mechanics and just finding that mindset that he's got to get into where he stays focused and stays locked in um, and just stays consistent with it. Um, you know, you can't have those lapses in focus where, uh, you know, you walk, you walk the house, you got to, you know, keep your foot on the gas, got to stay locked in every single inning. And so just, just mentally maturing a little bit. And, and I think he's got to do that. I think that's going to be his next step. 5.02 ERA in nine games in the regular season. We talked about how though the, the, that uh, doesn't tell the full story. There were two rough outings, but looking at the context of them, you know, June 18th, four innings, he allowed five runs. I was looking back at that game, though, Mitch, and of that game, he there were two of those inherited runs scored after he left the game, so it was stuck on his line. He should have had, you know, if everything goes right, he has, you know, four innings, just three runs given up in that time, so things look a little bit better there. The other one, though, this was just a tough game. Seven runs allowed against Cowitz on July 27th. But other than that, you know, you look at the numbers for Moffitt over the course of the summer. We talked about it several times. Just got better every outing. Uh, allowed three runs or less in eight of ten starts. That's about all you can ask for, whether he's giving you four or six innings. Just keep you mm-hmm. in the ball game Because we knew last year the West Coast League, there was going to be a lot of runs scored. And correct me if I'm wrong, it felt like Moffitt kept the Apple Sox in pretty much every game that he pitched in. Absolutely. You know, and that's... Ultimately, that's all you can ask out of your starter, especially when you have a lineup like what we had last summer, where we we were going to find a way to score runs for the most part. If your if your starter can get us five six innings and and keep us in the game, I, I really liked our chances last summer. 
and I, I felt like our bullpen was set up to, you know, get us a lead and, uh, and let them kind of come in and finish it off. You know, anytime you can get a starter that just keeps you in the game and, and keeps eating innings, that's, that's all you can ask. Best two starts to the summer. We'd be remiss if we didn't touch on them. First one was July 20th, picked up the win against Kamloops. At the time, a season high, five innings, two hits, five walks, and six strikeouts. Walks a little bit high, but he limited the base hits. Didn't allow any runs to score in that one. That was a 7-2 to Apple Sox win. And then August 13th, six innings against Bellingham in the North Division Championship game. Two unearned runs scored, three hits. Just one walk, though, in three strikeouts in that outing as well. So he pitched some big games this summer. He was on the mound some big nights for the Apple Sox, Mitch. You know, July 2nd, he got the start for the fireworks night game. He also started that postseason game. He started a huge game down at Yakima, which... Boy, that whole series, that was such a – I'm so bummed we're not going there after the way it went last year because every game was so good in that series with the Pippins. He picked up the one of the toughest losses I thought any starter picked up of the summer, next to Ryan Mullen, of course. But on August 4th, that game against Yakima in the rubber match, three unearned runs, five innings, five hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. I'm sure you remember that game too. That was a night where it's like, boy, he gave everything he had in that game. Yeah, it, I, I specifically remember that game and just thinking that was one of those where we were struggling to fi- find a way to get him get him a run. I can't remember who Yakima threw that night, but it, it felt like Moff just kept going out there and throwing up a zero, throwing up a zero. Stuff was really good. Big crowd for Yakima that night, and so he was thriving off of that. But, yeah, I, that was one of the few games I felt like, man, we if we can just find a way to give him some runs, uh, we should be able to pull this one out. Oh, that was such a great game. He just you know, he went five solid innings. He went up against Liam McCallum, who went five innings, one hit, no runs, but five walks, and then the one strikeout. The floodgates opened a little bit after he left the game. The Sox got some runs late, but just could not complete that rally. And what I remember like was just such a great game. And like you said, a big crowd, 1,629 fans of that game. So that was a fun night late in the summer when – and that was so fun down the stretch. We've talked about this about some of the home games. There were a lot of games down the stretch where guys are fatiguing, but the crowds almost picked up, and that kind of gave everyone a little bit of second life. Did you feel like that too? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and we, you know, just new guys on the roster, uh, you know, new guys on other teams as well. It felt like you know we'd look through the stats for the Pippins or whoever we were playing, and and then we'd see their lineup, and it's like, man, half these guys aren't here. Or, you know, our lineup's different. So it just kind of felt like a almost the restart button was hit down that final stretch. And it was, hey, here's where we're at in the standings. And we got some new guys. And let's see where this thing goes. Definitely was the case with Yakima Valley. Bellingham, too. I mean, I feel like you and I'm blanking. They had an interim head coach at the time. But I'm sure both of you looked at each other's lineup cards and went, who the heck are these guys on the other team? Yep. yep. We actually did. I I. Yeah, I swear to you, we actually did that at the home plate meeting. Their their coach came over and he said, look at our lineup and tell me how many guys you remember from the first game. And I said, and I handed him ours and I said, I think there's probably combined four or five guys total that we that, you know, that played in that first six game, you know, series with Bellingham. And we both were just kind of smiling like, hey, let, you know, let's see what happens here. I'm looking up and down that lineup right now. And you're, you're exactly right. There weren't a lot of guys. There was a guy on Bellingham's team for that championship game for the North division championship game who had signed to originally play with the Apple Sox and then was released <laughs> from that contract. And then eventually went to go play for Bellingham. We, it had it all in that game, didn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately we didn't come out on the winning side of that one, but uh, definitely a memorable one for a lot of reasons. 
So, Mitch, we've got our first three guys in the books who are joining this team here for 2023. You touched on a little bit about the importance of Ponce previously as a leader. How much do you look at returning players in general? Now that you've had a chance to coach these guys before and you're going to coach them again this summer, how much do you look for them to be leaders on a team? Because I think leadership may not may not be something that's easily seen by the fans in the summer, but has a ton of merit. You need that to be a successful ball club, especially in the West Coast League. Yeah, yeah, I for me, it gives me, uh, I think, a lot of a lot of uh, comfortability um, as a coach having guys that you know um, that have previously paid or played for you. But also, you know, I'm excited because I know these guys know who I am as a coach, and I, you know, I expect them to be, you know, you know, front line for me, uh, have my back, I have their back, and kind of kind of set the tone as far as, hey, you know, this isn't just another spot to come play summer ball. You know, our, our head coach does not just set a lineup and roll the balls out and say, hey, let's go play summer. This matters to us. If you're going to come play here, you know, we're going to take this seriously and we're, we're here to win and compete for championships. So having guys that I know, know that expectation and know what I'm all about really is, is just comfortable for me and, and helps me get my message across easier. I think these are three really great players to announce as the first ones that were coming back. But we've got more to come, don't we? We've got more guys coming up next week we're going to be announcing. In total, there's about, I think there's nine players overall who played at least one game with the Apple Sox in the previous season. How cool is that? Because last year, there was only four guys who had previously ever played with the Apple Sox who ended up coming back and playing for them. How cool is that to have all this many guys going back and kind of setting the, not just setting the tone, but also continuing what you started a year ago? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, a lot of those guys know what we accomplished last summer, and then they know what the goal is. It's just gonna it's gonna be nice to have you know not a completely new fresh batch of guys. Have a lot of new guys, but have those guys sprinkled in that are that are returning. And like I said, just know what we're all about. Know what we did last year, and say, hey, we you know we're expected to go one step farther this year. Really exciting. Looking forward to having them back, and then looking forward to next week's announcement as well. Mitch, before we let you go and we wrap up this podcast, let's talk about. Uh, the hot stove party was last week. How cool was that to get a chance to connect with some fans? That's a, a season ticket holder event that we do each year. It had been a couple of years since we had it, and it was your first one as well. How was that uh, to get a chance to talk some baseball to Apple Sox fans? Oh, man. For for the cold weather we've had and it being February, anytime <laughs> that I get to go talk a little bit of baseball and meet some of our host parents and, and some of our season ticket holders, it, it felt like a little mini vacation for me to get out of the house and go have some food and a drink and just, and just talk baseball. So, you know, that was awesome. Um, you know, I'm sure you're going to touch on this a little bit, but still looking for some host families. Um, you know, the hot stove party is one of those things. That's just another benefit of hosting a player. Um, you get access to some of these private events where, um, you know, you get to meet our coaching staff and um, have food and, and ask questions. And, um, you know, you, you get to host a player. Obviously, that's a great benefit as well as, you know, kids getting free admission into all of our uh, summer camps, which we're excited about. Um, so, yeah, still looking for those. You know, they're the only reason we function as an organization is because of our host parents and season ticket holders. So uh, can't say thank you enough for them and and always looking to add more. 100 percent. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a host parent, please email us info at applesocks.com. And I always like to bring this up each time, but for those of you who aren't aware, the Apple Sox is not a professional baseball team, not independent, not semi-pro. These are college players who are currently at universities who, after their season and their semester ends, they come join the Apple Sox in the summer. So 
they're not playing for money. They're playing to improve as ball players. And our host parents provide them housing, give them a couple meals, and just make sure they're pretty much they're set and make Wenatchee feel like home as well. So, Mitch, thanks for the time. Really excited to reveal these first three guys. We've got four more to talk about next week. We'll talk with you then. All right. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for tuning in to the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. If you enjoyed it and don't already, please subscribe to get updates on our newest episodes. Make sure to like the Apple Sox on Facebook and follow at Apple Sox on Twitter or Instagram. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball, celebrating summer one inning at a time.